0: Yeah, we're going to be talking about God's love today. And if I can just start with confession, I I don't always find this topic appealing uh, because I have my own different emotional reactions to the word love. Sometimes it can sound a little gushy, like too warm icing on top of a cupcake. Um, sometimes it can feel a bit fruity, like something that would cost you man points to be excited about. Sometimes it can feel like something that's too manipulated, like our culture is happy to do all kinds of evils in the name of love, and you just want to stay away from that stuff because of a branding or marketing issue. However, love is probably uh, the most powerful Desirable, important, needed, wanted thing in the universe. It's so important that the Bible can actually say that God is love. And if we don't know about love, we won't ever know about God. And if we're going to know God, we need to know about love. Amen. Now, one last note that I promised I would make aware. Forgive me for not putting this at the beginning. There is a Walk for Life happening on May 28th at 10 a.m. It's something you can do practically to say that the lives of children matter to you. I was just reading this week. Does anybody know who Steph Curry is? Okay, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, Golden Gate Warriors. Golden State Warriors, sorry. It rhymes. Hey, he's not a skier, so he doesn't matter to me. But I am sporty. Sorry, this is a time for telling the truth. I apologize. Anyhow, with all the stuff that's happening in the States with Roe v. Wade, his mom just came out and said, Hey, I, I almost aborted him. I aborted an older sibling of his. But i was at the clinic and just decided felt like not this would be wrong to do this and you just think of all of the fanfare and all of the ability and all of the skills that wouldn't have existed if his mom had gone through with the abortion and there are multiple people whose testimony was this my mom was at the clinic she changed her mind And now i'm impacting the world and it is unimaginable to think of all the human potential that has been lost because of these unregulated lawful practices of human lives just disappearing into nothingness and it's hard to imagine the best doctor of the world that the world has ever seen may have disappeared the best presidents and prime ministers of the world may have disappeared people who have actually invented Different things. Lives may have disappeared. So lives matter. Yes, all the worst things that happen in the world happen through people, but all the best things too. And we don't know. So if you want to go do something about that, the March for Life is on May 28th. And I'm glad that you're all here and alive. And apart from the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the best things in the kingdom of God are their brothers and sisters. And you are a lot of what's going to make living forever a good thing. But we're talking about God's love, a better and more beautiful way. And I'm kind of thinking about this because, you know, with all my caveats, the word love is not my favorite. You and I can both choose to live without God's love. And we can even, as people who call ourselves Christians and as churchgoers, live in a way that minimizes or excludes a lot of the experience of God's love that is available to us. We can choose to live in ways that don't embrace and experience all the love God has for us. We make choices. We believe and sometimes we don't believe. We say yes and sometimes we say no. And so I just want to advocate that living in God's love is a better and more beautiful way than every option that the world has for us. Every other way of living. This is the best. King David said in Psalm 63, verse 3, Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. That's a great line. God's love is better than life. Now, this is, when you think about it, this is an interesting thing because most other things, whether it's things that we love, like co- coffee, apparently, <laughs> you guys are so noisy about the coffee i don't even know what to think about that like is that a good thing or is it like when people are so excited about coffee maybe we shouldn't serve it here you know maybe you need a break i'm just saying (laughs) but hey praise god you're welcome to be here And uh, we love you and we love coffee. One thing I'd also like to say is um, sometimes church coffee only barely makes it into the category of coffee. So you may want to bring your own artificial sweeteners and international oil products that transform things into things. Anyhow, because your love is better than life, my lips will praise you. In order to enjoy the things we love, whether it's things or people, usually you have to be alive for it. Amen. Most things in life, you actually need to be alive in order to love and be loved by. Most. Most. The one exception is the love of God. You can be loved by God when you're alive and you can be loved by God through Jesus Christ when you die and you can be loved by God forever when he raises you from the dead. His love is better than life. And every good thing that he's given us in this world is only kind of kept good by being in the love of God. And every single good thing in this world can become terrible and poisoned and empty without the love of God. There's this uh, really popular divorced couple in the States right now who decided to televise their hatred for each other in a court. Anybody heard about this? No pun intended. I've been trying seriously I seriously, sorry, I just had to say that because I was not going to do anything there. And I've been trying not to hear about it because I don't really want to know the junk. But it's so hard for me not to think these people got in front of all their friends and promised to love each other. And now this. And marriage love is not the best thing, but it's one of the better parts of joy in life. And it can go, become the worst part of being alive without the love of God. So I would invite all of us to believe that this is true because God's love is better than life. That's why we praise him. And if you're going to have anything in this life, make it the love of God because it's the only love you can keep. Someday, if you live long enough, everyone you love will die. Highlander. Anybody see that movie? Who wants to live forever? It's a good question. When you're going to see everything you care about decay and be destroyed. Except for the love of God. This is the only thing we can keep. And without it, everything will break. Without the hope of restoration. So I'm going to call us just to believe this. This is better. Because his steadfast love is better than life. This is the better and more beautiful way. To be in the love of God. To give back love to God. And to spread the love of God. And my hope would be that as a church. We would Focus our hearts on this, not as some kind of like, program. But as just the reality check of all reality checks, this is why we live to know the love of God and to dwell in the love of God and to give love back to him. What is the greatest commandment? Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the best. It's better than everything. And this is why Calvary Church exists to know God's love and to love him back and to share God's love. So, hooray. I hope we're all somewhat on the same page. And I was requested, while I was thinking about this message, to not let this become some kind of airy-fairy, schmoopsy-boopsy, mamsy-pamsy, lovey-dovey, pie-in-the-sky all heaven and no earth kind of message. But to try to put some teeth on this thing, to make it count for real people, and to make it feel like something that we can do something about. Amen? So today, I would like a realistic experience of the love of God for people who believe in Jesus. So let's... But let's start by just telling the truth. We're going to get here. Let's stop here for a sec. If you're a Christian, if you believe that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead so that your sins could be forgiven and you could be adopted by God and live forever with him, I invite you to say these things with me because they're true. And if you want to start your day off with saying something like this, just to cleanse your mind and your heart and your soul, I would encourage you to do that. But I'm going to read this out loud and you're welcome to join with me in this. God loves me, and I love Him. The Father loves me, and I love Him. Jesus loves me, and I love Him. The Spirit loves me, and I love Him. This is true. And this is the blazing nuclear powerhouse that fuels the energy of the Christian life for all eternity. God loves us, and we love him back. So let's try to put some real-life experience in all this stuff. And by doing that, I want to talk about real life, like the bad parts. We're going to talk about fears and hurts and trouble. That covers most of real life, right? And these are the kinds of things that actually often make us feel like God doesn't love us. But I think if we're scriptural and wise and have a bit of a fighter spirit, we would actually want to take the things that can make us doubt the love of God towards us and get our hands around its scrawny little neck and hold it under water until it stops struggling, and then stuff it full of biblical truth and put it on the mantle place of our lives as a trophy of grace. Proving the power of God in our life. Amen? And not be victims, but practice being victors. And not practice being conquered, but experience being more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen? So this morning, I want to invite us to imagine that fear can actually be a doorway to know the Father's love. And hurt can actually be an opportunity to show Jesus our love and that trouble can be a chance to flow in the Spirit's love. Amen? Yes. And because, you know, I do this preachy thing, you've got to make a rhyme in there somewhere. So no-show flow. There you go. Now you know. knowing is half the battle. Fear. A doorway to know the Father's love. Let's read a couple scriptures and hopefully I can unpack this together. This is from Romans chapter 8. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption. As sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And in 1 John 4:18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Anybody felt afraid recently of anything, anything at all? Take your pick. Just one brother in the front row over here, maybe a couple. Oh man, doesn't fear make you feel so alone? Doesn't fear just make you feel like everything's a threat? And you're going to get punched in the face, you just don't know where the blow is going to come from? Fear's the worst. And it's a liar. That's a great song about that. The fear is terrible. I remember when we were adopting Timmy, and I've told this story before. Now, Timmy's our son with Down syndrome from Bulgaria, just letting everybody know, and many years ago we said yes to this journey of adopting him which kind of got fast-tracked and kind of was on a discount because he's a child with special needs. But it was still like a journey of over like 40000 bucks to, to bring him home. And I think we started off with like five or something like that. Yeah, we wanted to invest some of Jackie's inheritance in this. And so I would literally have nights about once a month during this process where I would just wake up with a start in the middle of the night going, what have I done? You know, we've signed all the papers to make this work. What have I done? We can't afford this. It was like midnight fear attacks. And when you're in those fear attacks, the one thing you're not thinking is, My father's got this covered. Amen? Those thoughts and feelings, and my dad is in the room, they can't exist at the same time. And, you know, a couple weeks ago, I was having a similar thing. Does everybody ever notice it feels like everything in your house wears out or breaks down at the same time? It's like everything's fine, and then just catastrophe, catastrophe, catastrophe. You know, and I think there's a theology behind that. You should assume it's the Lord wanting to teach you something. But I was making myself lunch and I had something that needed a fairly expensive updating and I was just talking to God and I was just telling him, God, I miss my dad. My dad passed away like five or six years ago or something like that. And my dad was a money guy. He was a successful investor. And so while he was alive, there was a part of me that was always a bit okay financially because I was like, my dad's loaded. So it's not like there isn't somebody with some dollar bills who cares. Then he died. And so I was just like, talking about that sense of being alone financially that had changed in my life. And I just, I, I mean, this is sad. Like, how long have you been pastoring for? <laughs> I just talked to God. I was like, I guess I'm going to have to rely on you to be my dad. True fact, that's the meme one. That's the meme right there. And you know what? Later that day, God showed up with a significant breakthrough for me in that problem. God wants you to know and to know and to know that he's your dad. And I think when we're afraid, we should start seeing ourselves as having an opportunity for an ABBA moment. Oh. <laughs> Can you see it? Is there a way to erase some of the uh, tab spaces in between the R and the A that are awkwardly not where they were when I emailed that thing earlier today? Yeah, is there any? There's No? <laughs> so good. I love you, reality. Anyhow... This is a picture of like a crossroads. And on my left, your left now that I've turned around, um, is the word fear. And on the right is the word Abba. And whenever there's something fearful happening, when the anxiety comes, when the insecurity is revealed, when the heart rate goes up, when the button gets triggered, I think we should see ourselves as at a crossroad where we can either go down the path of fear, which we all know there's nothing good down there. It's the garbage dump. It's the cesspit. It's the sulfur mine. It's going to stink. You're going to be disappointed. We've all been down there. Or we can go down Abba Road. And if you think about Romans 8 there, that's our option. We haven't been given this spirit of slavery to fall back into a fear. We aren't, we aren't owned by the world. We aren't owned by sickness. We aren't owned by death. We aren't owned by the government. We aren't owned by the economy. We're not owned by these things anymore. Instead, we've been adopted by the Father, and the Spirit inside of us wants us to cry out in these moments of spiritual conflict, Abba, which is the, I think, Aramaic for, for Father. But I think as a church, when we start to feel afraid, we can actually choose to go into the Father's love by just saying, oh, Abba. I feel so triggered by this. Oh, I don't want to be owned by this. Oh, Abba. I'm afraid again. Abba. Don't let this own me, Abba. Come and give me the feeling and the knowledge and the ability to walk out my sonship or my daughtership by the power of god because fear is actually a doorway to knowing the father's love better so whatever you're afraid of then it comes all of us are in here one person put up their hand you're going to get the blessing brother today you're going to get the honesty grace we all get afraid of something And I think it's always in Christ a doorway, a possible doorway of walking into Abba's love. He came to make us feel like sons when we're afraid of being slaves. Let's put some legs on God's love. Whenever you feel afraid, just start praying Abba. Thought number two, hurt. An opportunity to show Jesus' love. One of the things about love is that it needs to be, uh, it needs to have a circuit, right? It needs to come to us and then go back. It's like blood in your body. If your heart just pumps blood out of it, that's great, but you're dead. Because that blood needs to go into your body parts and drop off all the nutrients that's in there and then come back nutrient-starved back into your heart so it can get pumped into the lungs and get some more oxygen and then go back all through the cycle. It only works when it's flowing out and coming back in. And if it's only going out, you're bleeding to death. Similarly, with God's love, if it's only really coming to us, And not going back to him. Something's gone wrong. Amen. And we're going to end up becoming like spoiled children. Where we don't feel like that it's almost as good loving God back as it is being loved by him. Now, it's not quite the same. But we know even in human things, you know, if you love somebody and they don't love you back... That's painful, right? And if you're in a covenant with somebody and you really love them and they're rejecting you or betraying you, that's terrible. And do you know God feels the same way? Go through the chapters in Ezekiel when he talks about Israel being like a and that other lady where he's loved this woman and brought her up and protected her and poured all his riches on her and once she's finally married and she's a queen of heaven she starts becoming very attracted to all the idols around him and God is just so hurt because he loves so much and he wants to be loved back And he's not needy, and he's not desperate, and he's not scrounging. But he is the best thing in the universe, and he knows it. And when he loves us, he knows he ought to get our love back. And he's worthy of it. And so when the cycle is broken, something's really broken. And so it is our joy to love God back. It is the healthiest thing in the world to know that God loves us and to love Him back. To know that He treasures us and to treasure Him back. To know that He values us and to value Him back. This is the best thing in the world. Do you know one of the things that breaks the cycle? Feeling hurt, feeling wounded. What happens when we're hurt? Well, we often go into like self preservation mode. Or we go on the attack. I'm sorry for this example. It does involve basketball, so this is almost going to be like I knew what I was talking about earlier. I was out playing basketball with my brother and my dad one time when we were real, really young kids and my brother did something that I really didn't like, probably scoring a basket. Have you ever had those moments where you feel like you should be better than somebody else, when all of a sudden they do anything okay, you're offended at it? that just my Grinch heart? And so I grabbed the ball, and I threw it at my brother, and hit him right in that spot where the game is over. And I just remember seeing him doubling over and curling up and my dad was not happy but for me that's just such a picture of hurt when you get hurt you curl up you protect you your fetal position you try to guard all the sensitive spots and we can do this with god when we get hurt We can go into self-preservation mode, self-defense mode, and we can actually get so angry at the Lord for letting this stuff happen. But I think when we're living in God's love and pressing into the life of God's love, we can learn to see moments of woundedness as an opportunity to actually show God love back. Here's some scriptures. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, if you love me, you will keep my commands. So here Jesus is talking about how he receives our obedience as love. Got that? It's good to learn people's love languages. Some people like presents. Some people like words of affirmation. Other people like other things. God's love language is hearing him and responding with obedience. Because you're saying to God, I trust you. You're not a liar. You're not weak. You're not manipulative. You're not a jerk. I trust you. I'll obey you. I'll trust you. I love you. You're wonderful. Why wouldn't I? And there's something about love where you want to please people by obeying them, right? Even little kids. My Gloria. Boy, does she get almost everything she wants because I love her and her room is always clean. True fact, kids. Want to get whatever you want from mom and dad? Don't make them ask. Jesus says, if you keep my commands, you're loving me. Now, I'm going to connect these two verses... Here's another one. This is from Hebrews, talking about Jesus as a son. It says, Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And the author of Hebrews here is talking about that moment in Jesus' life where he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's just about to enter into the whole process of being crucified for the sin of man, which doesn't just involve the pain and the hurt of the physical torture of being crucified, but Jesus was going to get hung on a cross, and be cursed by God. The Word of God says, Cursed is everybody who hangs on a tree. And Jesus was going to go through the torture of being rejected by his Father and cursed by his God in order to rescue everybody who should be cursed by God and should be rejected by God. He's going to be a perfect sacrifice for us to rescue us. He's talking about that moment when Jesus went to the garden and he went and prayed and he said, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet, not what I will, but your will be done. And he's choosing the path of painful obedience in order to show his love for the Father. True? Do you think that's a fair interpretation there? In the garden, Jesus was saying to the Father... By honoring your will, it's not just like I'm like, uh, I'm going to honor your will like some kind of will zombie. He's saying, I love you more than everything. And so I will obey you even when it costs me everything. And he's learned this obedience. Even though he's a son and he's perfect, he learned his obedience through what he suffered and he showed his love for the Father through obedience in the midst of hurt. He kept God's commandments because he loved him. And I think maybe a little trodden path of love that we can start practicing for God is when we're hurting, when we feel wounded, see this as an opportunity to show God that you really love Him. We love Him more than reacting. We love Him more than attacking. We love Him more than rejecting. We love Him more than trying to control. By trying to find some way to stop and listen or stop and obey or pray for direction or to bring our Reactions to God and not just react out of our hurt, but find God's will for us in the moment. We can be saying to God, Jesus, I love you. Anybody have a hard time doing this? Yeah. I think we could admit it. I think a better and more beautiful way to do life than how I usually do it is seeing hurt as a time to try to obey God because we love him more than whatever is causing us the pain in the moment. This is a better way to live. This is a better way to live than being controlled by pain. And finally, trouble. Trouble is a chance to flow in the Spirit's love. Anybody feel like it's a time of great trouble? Yeah. I'm okay with gas prices having that many eights and nines in it, as long as it doesn't start with a one. You know what I'm talking about? I was okay back, it was like a year ago, it was eight, eight, nine, and there was no one. Good times. Great times. That was okay to have family members in BC you wanted to go visit. At that time. Now, I'm just kind of joking, but it's a time of great trouble. I think when we're walking in God's love, and when we're prepared to love God in the midst of hurt, we can have minds expanded to the possibility. That moments of trouble are actually chances to flow in the love of the Spirit. Here's an example. This is the Apostle Paul. It's near the end of the book of Acts. Uh Uh-oh, did I lose the line here? I think I did. Note to self. Check things out. I think I've said this before. If you just have to have all the technology just right, just right, there are so many great churches in Steinbeck. (laughs) Calvary may get under your skin regularly. I guess this is my chance to flow in the Spirit. You can be a hypocrite or... So this is the story of Paul. It says, Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. (laughs) That's awesome. I get tired out from three hours. Three days. (laughs) It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and and dysentery, which is a messy one. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. And they honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we the rest of the story needed. Just I missed a word? Just one word. Just one word. That's what I needed. Needed. <laughs> I love life. So good. So let's pull out from this story here a little bit. Because if you've read Acts recently, you know the background. The Apostle Paul has just been shipwrecked. They just spent like weeks in the middle of a storm that wouldn't stop like May in Steinbeck and it wouldn't stop and they were all going to run out of food and then all of a sudden they're shipwrecked. So that's bad. And then the because he's a prisoner, the jailers are all like, let's not get killed by losing any of our prisoners. Let's just kill them all. So he's about to get killed, and then the guy's like, no, let's not kill Paul, because he was the one who told us this was going to happen anyway. So they're shipwrecked, and then he has a near-death experience, and then they wash up on shore, and they're starting a fire, and Paul gets bitten by a snake, and he shakes it off into the fire. Now everybody's waiting for him to puff up and die because it was a poisonous snake, and he doesn't by miracle, and then that's kind of what sets up this story. So he gets invited to this guy's house and then there's somebody sick in the family and he says, well, I think I should be able to pray about that. And he goes and he lays hands on him, which in the New Testament is the physical act of asking the Holy Spirit to touch somebody. Don't always need to lay hands. Jesus healed people from miles away. But in the New Testament, when you wanted to do something with your body, saying, God, I'm expecting the Spirit to do something, you'd lay hands on them. And the guy gets healed and then everybody hears about it and they all start flocking this is a lot of trouble most of us if we survived a shipwreck would wouldn't mind like a month off just to recover true i just got shipwrecked does anybody have a cabin on lake of the woods that i could just go hide from troubles for a bit it's underwater right now yeah that's right maybe that's even better does anybody have an underwater house i can just introvert out end for a week so much trouble trouble from a shipwreck trouble from a snake trouble from dysentery trouble from sick people following you around so much trouble but because Paul knows the love of God, and Paul loves Jesus more than his own life, all the troubles that come his way, he keeps responding to as opportunities to see the Holy Spirit do something. True? And I think we, we should, do, don't you want to start seeing that? God is the ultimate problem solver. And Jesus sent the Holy Spirit into the church to give us ability in the midst of troubles. All the gifts of the Spirit are just to respond to some kind of human trouble. You're sick. You need healing. Don't know how to pray. There's tongues. Don't know what to do. There's prophecy. Don't understand God's word. There's teaching. Your church is a mess. There's the apostolic. Nobody wants to come to Jesus. There's evangelism. The Holy Spirit is the great response to human trouble. And I think when we're in the love of God and when we want to be sharing the love of God, we put our confidence in the Spirit of God who is the love of God to say, help use me to show your love, especially when there's trouble. Nobody cares about the love of God when everything's going well. Why do I need God's love? I'm in line up for Starbucks. Your gift card is at zero. Where are you, Lord? True? We kind of are joking, but this is a real deal. God will often break things whether by letting the consequences of human folly have their full effect or even other ways so that people realize, wait, I am living far from God and that God's people can come in with the power of God and resensitize people to the reality of God so that through the gospel of Jesus Christ they can come to believe in the love of God and come into this relationship that lasts forever with the Father. Amen? You guys are wonderful. God loves you. And it is your biggest blessing in life to love him back. The Father really loves you. And has determined that he's going to pour out all his generosity on you forever. There is nothing the Father owns that He isn't going to give you in Jesus Christ. And how awesome to know His love and love Him back. Jesus really, really loves you to the point of a tortured death and humiliation on the cross so that He could come back from the dead and at the right time encounter you and give you a new heart that believes in him so that he can have you forever as his beautiful bride. And how awesome to know that love and to love him back. Especially when when it's hard. And the Spirit loves you. The Spirit has come down from heaven and is now living inside of you. You're his house. And we're his house. And you're his home. And we're his home. And How awesome to love this house guest back. It's okay to have someone come and live with you for three days if you really love them. God's love. It is a better and more beautiful way than everything else. Don't you want to live in it? I'm going to invite the band to come up. They're going to lead us. And I just want to invite you. Think about your week. Think about your life. Where is there fear where it's time to start saying, I'm going to choose the Abba Road? Where is there hurt? Where instead of being proof that God's abandoned you, you can see it now as this awesome opportunity to love God back by the power of the Holy Spirit. And where is there trouble right now where you can say, instead of being intimidated by the trouble, Holy Spirit, use me to spread the love of God. Why don't we stand if you want to? There is no pressure or compulsion. When I do this group stuff, I want you to know this, you don't have to do it to fit in. Just only do it if you can do it with integrity. I want you to be free, nothing fake or forced. Please, 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 nothing fake or forced. But if you want to join with me in this prayer... know in my heart right now i just feel like the father's wanting to me to know that there are so many hurting people in here and the father i think would want me to encourage you he does not take your pain flippantly he does not have a what's your problem attitude he knows he knows it's a big deal he just knows that he's a bigger deal so the Father really wants you to bring it to Him today. To take the name Abba on your lips. To let Him minister to you. There's hope for you, brother. There's hope for you, sister. This fear, this pain, this is not the last chapter of your story. Father really loves you. He chose you. He chose you. He chose you. And he wants you to be free in his love.